The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Coming up on today's show, we're going to unpack the seven-night cruise on Celebrity Edge that we just got back from. How different is cruising today? How many things have changed? Staff writer Richard Sims is going to stop by and help us unpack it here in just a couple of moments. But first, I do want to tell you, um, if you're looking for the cruise news, just opposite of this channel is Cruise Radio News. The three things you need to know five days a week right there in podcast form, also in video form. Just check out the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right. He is punched up and ready to go. Staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, the show is all yours. All right. Well, actually, it's all you. I'm super excited about this because while I was not actually on the Celebrity Edge, um, you were, and I have been living vicariously through you. So I'm really psyched to talk to you about this. Uh, This was this was actually there's been a little bit of confusion out there. This was not actually the first cruise back. There have been other cruises, but this was, if I'm not mistaken, the very first revenue generating cruise, correct? Yeah. From a major cruise ship, because we have to remember that the river cruise lines, they started sailing months ago. So technically they would be the first cruise line sailing if we're going to get technical here. So yeah, on a major cruise ship, very first sailing was Edge. Yeah. Okay. It's also we should we should note that while this was a revenue generating um, sailing, you were an invited guest of Celebrity Cruises, correct? I was. They sent me an invite, asked if I would cover it. At first, I was like, "Are you sure you want press on the first sailing? Because I'm going to be, you know, authentic <laughs> as I always am." And they said, "Yes, come on." So I said, "Okay." So what I really want to talk about first, we'll get to embarkation. I want to hear, you know, how it was different and how the protocols were. But I want to relive that moment that we're all waiting for, that we're all really excited about. What was it like when you first walked on the ship for the first time in, you know, 15 months you're on a cruise ship? I might get choked up here, so don't judge me. Um, it started for me when I left the Fort Lauderdale airport. I was in my lift and saw Celebrity Edge from terminal or you know from behind terminal 25 and they let me out and i was trying to keep everything you know come on doug be strong hold it together but it was emotional and walking down the gangway captain kate and the officers were there cheering everybody as they were they were walking on the ship and then uh, at that moment it sunk in like i'm on a cruise you know we've been covering this for the past what 15 months and for the first three months we went 24 7 and it was all bad news, and it took a toll on, uh, I think, a lot of us mentally, physically, and all of that. So just being able to stand there on a ship after all of this negative coverage we were forced to write, it felt damn good, man. I can't even imagine. I imagine you saw that everywhere you looked around. I imagine everyone was having that same reaction. 
Yeah. Let's talk about the embarkation process. You know, I know we were doing it a little backwards, but that was the moment I really wanted to hear about. So let's go back to embarkation and and how was it different from what you would have experienced, uh, you know, 16 months ago before the shutdown? A lot of it's app-based. Now, I know Royal Caribbean Group, I say that because collectively all their brands are going more towards an app-based experience, and they were doing that back starting in 2014 when Quantum of the Seas rolled out of Bayonne there. But a lot of app-based. So I did all the health questionnaire. I uploaded my photo. All these little touch points that you normally have to do when you're at the cruise pier, you're doing them digitally now and signing digitally, checking the box. So you don't have to do it once you're in the terminal. So I got out. And of course, there was the baggage handlers. And unfortunately, I travel with a carry-on, so I had nothing for them to do. But (laughs) he guided me to the... And I felt bad because they've been out of work too, right? So... But I, what can you do? So I did, they guided me towards the building, pointed me over there. I walked in. My first checkpoint was the showing the app, the CPAS barcode, my vaccination card. They sent me to security. I went to the security checkpoint, and then they pointed me to the gangway, and I was there. It was from the curb to the ship in probably five minutes tops. It was so easy. That one touch point, that's all we had where someone actually – you know, scanned and I was in face to face with someone, everything else was all digital and I was on the ship. Am I right? This was a fully vaccinated cruise. 99% of the guests were, and there were 24 kids under the age that couldn't get it. So what does that mean as far as how, how is on this ship in a way, because this varies from ship to ship, even within fleets, how on this ship did they handle masks given that it was a fully vaccinated sailing? Yeah, so once you crossed, got off the jet bridge, because per CDC guidelines, you have to wear them in the embarkation terminal and the jetway. Once you step on the cruise ship, you could rip that thing off, and everyone did. As far as around the ship, I mean, I ripped mine off. I did see people the first couple of days wearing theirs, but by the by day three, let's say, I didn't see one on the ship. And maybe the one or two I did see randomly Maybe they were the unvaccinated that were keeping their masks on, or maybe they were just being cautious. I'm not sure. I mean, it really felt like we were cruising back in the day, 16 months ago. And the crew, I assume the crew was wearing masks. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's something to do with the color coding from the CDC or if that's going to be a standard protocol for a celebrity. But all the crew were wearing masks both inside and outside. So tell me about your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have? I had a Sky Suite. So, yeah, it was it was interesting because, you know, me, I'm definitely more of a no frills person. So it was it took a little while to get used to, like having basically a jacuzzi in your room and um, a massive bed and a butler, too. I've never definitely have never had a butler for a second. I thought they put me in the wrong room. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I should be here. Am Um, I right that those rooms both you can like open up? from the bathroom and see straight out onto the veranda and the bed is positioned in such a way that when you're laying in bed and looking out, you can see out, out to the veranda. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. You face the window. So if you want to wake up to the morning sunlight, you can do that. I mean, we'll say these cabins, these sky suites, they had the regular sliding balcony door and not the famous infinite verandas like most of the, uh, the staterooms do on that ship. This is not your first time on the ship, correct? This is my third time because the inaugural was November of 2018. Then we sailed it in April of 2019. And then, yeah, so, yeah, number three. So aside from living the high life, I assume that when you are sort of traveling as the guest of celebrity, that also means that you probably have, like, some 
dog and pony shows that you wind up going to, meaning that you end up not necessarily, you know, eating on your own when you would prefer to, and you end up doing some of the, the, the nice restaurants on board. The Aqua Class staterooms have access to a restaurant called Blue, which is kind of clean, healthy eating type restaurants. So like like the salmon and the really lean cuts of meat and fresh vegetables and all of that. So we did do Blue one night. Um, that was our first night, and that was really good. And then the second night, we did Eden, which big menu change there. Because when I did Eden twice prior to this, uh, it was the menu was a little different, but the atmosphere was a lot different. Instead of, and I think we spoke about this before, Richard, where um, it was kind of like they had the Edenist people walking around and doing like uh, tricks and twirls and stuff while you were dining, like kind of like dinner in a show type thing. Right. It was very interactive. And I seem to recall that it was a little off-putting for some people, including you. I don't think you liked it very much. Yeah, it was very different for me. Not the kind of a dinner and a show I'm used to. They toned that down. In fact, they took out the Edenist characters altogether and took out the uh, acrobatic folks who were doing this stuff during your dinner. Uh, and it's just more of a, an acoustic guitar player is playing up in Eden because the Eden restaurant is actually a deck below Eden with an open kitchen and everything. But that's a, a five-course meal set menu. You basically go left or right on each line, and you order everything up front from your appetizer to your dessert, and they just bring it out course by course. So that was the second night. The third night was Fine Cut, which was their steakhouse. Solid, however, right there at the Grand Atrium, which you know the celebrity bartenders are known for doing their tricks in the Grand Atrium, but there's no sound barrier. So when they start doing their tricks, they're playing the the really loud music and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of bleeds in, not kind of, I mean, let's, let's just shoot it straight. It bleeds in into the steakhouse. So you're actually legit like can't even have a conversation in there because of what's happening in the grand atrium. Now, I know I'm probably sounding like, all right, old guy, whatever. But it, it, it is kind of, you think of a steakhouse, you think of a nice intimate atmosphere, like if someone wanted to propose or something, and then that happens yeah, it's a story worth telling over again, but it's kind of not really the atmosphere. But that said, if you want to do that, they only do those shows at certain times. You'd want to just find out when those shows are and dine outside of that. The interesting thing is, I don't think most people would even think of that. Most people wouldn't think I should really check the show schedule to see, you know, because because you're right. I think when you go to a steakhouse, um, whether it's on, you know, Norwegian or Carnival or Royal Caribbean, I think when you go to a steakhouse, you expect an elevated evening and uh, you definitely do not expect that that sort of the rest of the world to bleed into your experience. Well, remember we talked about this on, I believe it was Carnival Horizon when they opened the piano bar right next to the steakhouse. And then yeah. they eventually had to put that roll away wall in because there was people, you know, the piano bar crowd would start coming in around nine o'clock and someone enjoying their nice dinner or, on, you know, they're on their honeymoon. And then you hear Sweet Caroline with a bunch of drunk singing <laughs> 15 feet away. So Carnival's like, okay, they put in this fire door to block it. And at Fine Cut, there really is no way to block that sound unless they put a whole new wall up. So yeah, there's that. So you had some good meals. Uh, did you? Let's talk about another thing that there's been a lot of discussion about as as we head back to cruising, and that is the buffet. Did you hit the buffet at all? And how was it sort of different? Was it were they serving you? Was it self serve? What was the deal there? I was kind of used to this on one of my last cruises. I took was a Seaborne cruise, um, eleven nights from uh, Vancouver up to Anchorage, and on Seaborne they serve you at the buffet. This was months before COVID was even in existence. 
but they were serving you on Celebrity Edge. So if you wanted 15 pieces of bacon, you could still get that. You just wouldn't be touching the tongs and doing it yourself. An employee behind the line would be serving you 15 pieces of bacon. Aside from being served at the buffet, everything else in there is still the same. You have to pick up a plate when you first walk in and they serve you your silverware, but get your own drink, uh, all that. One thing that um, I was interested in, you and I talked before the show a little bit about this, is um, shore excursions are also something that have been sort of uh, there's been a lot of questions around how they're going to be handled. Some lines are doing bubble excursions where you cannot get off the ship unless you book it directly through the ship. Some are saying, no, wander free, you know. Um, and as I understand it, this was sort of a mixed blend. It depended on what port you're in. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this cruise did two Mexican ports. We did Costa Maya and Cozumel, both ports you had to wear a mask. However, they did differ because in Costa Maya, we could get off the ship if we didn't have an excursion booked and explore the port area, and the taxi cabs could take you to certain areas. In Cozumel, on Celebrity, it's it was different for our friends on Adventure of the Season next door, but on Celebrity, if you didn't book one of their curated excursions, a.k.a. bubble excursions, you couldn't get off the ship at all. So you did Costa Maya, you did Cozumel, and then I think your last stop was Nassau. Uh, anything different about Nassau? Everyone says Nassau is Nassau, but this time I would disagree. Nassau was Nassau in physical location, but it was nothing like the Nassau that we've been used to for years. Um, probably 95% of the shops have been closed since last March, so March of 2020. There was literally dust in places that were you know, places you'd go to raise some hell, let's say Senior Frogs, for instance, or that, remember that bar that you really like that shoots off yeah. into the water? Yeah, the, the Never Say Never yes. bar. Yeah, that Changed was, the name since then, but. Mm-hmm. That was boarded up. Um, Sharky's wow. was boarded up. It was just eerie, man. And I think it's because I was talking to some shop owners and I was just like, hey, I'm coming back in the fall. Will more places be open? Because I'd like to come and spend some money. I don't want to just stay on the ship. And so both stores and, well, three really, the people at the uh, straw market, also that things should be, quote, fully operational in the fall. So we hope that happens because it's just so weird walking in the downtown district and down Bay Street and seeing all these companies just boarded up. But then again, there was only a ship with 1,200 people in port too. And some of those people were doing excursions. So is it in their best benefit to open up if someone might not even step foot in their shop? Now, when there's normally six or seven or eight ships docked in Nassau, yeah, different story. Now, Nassau is also, you know, it's been for the last couple of years, the subject of uh, a lot of talk about how they're going to completely redo the port. And it's going to get like, you know, this this multi-million dollar makeover. Was there any evidence of that? Dude, I, funny you ask that because I was I talked to two construction workers and both of them told me on track for 2022, the pylons are there, the cement barges are there. The foundation is laid. It's just a matter of building vertically now. They tore down the old Festival Plaza, and it's just nothing but a, a foundation now. So it's it's going to wow. – maybe this – the whole COVID thing might have expedited the construction because you're not having to try to divert thousands of cruise passengers because no one's there. Well, let's hope. You know, I mean, Nassau has needed – something for a mm-hmm. very long time. And and the people in Nassau have known it. You know, the, the local government has talked about it as well. The other thing that you had was, I think you had like three sea days, four sea days. You had a lot of sea days. Yeah, it was three sea days. So um, going over to Costa Maya, leaving Fort Lauderdale, we had two. And then we had one between 
Cozumel and Nassau, and then Nassau was just overnight back to Fort Lauderdale again. Okay, so, you know, one of the things you always enjoy doing is sort of seeing how a ship handles sea days. Now, of course, the difference here is this ship was sailing at reduced capacity, vastly reduced capacity. It was like 38, 40 percent. So I have to assume that there were times when the ship seemed kind of like a ghost town. Chair hogs were still there. They haven't gone anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard to see how it was on sea days because we talk about crowds and congestion. We really can't because uh, there were times Sunset Bar on Celebrity. I think I've sent you a lot of pictures from back there because I spent a lot of time staked out back there. Normally, super crazy, super busy. But I worked back there for hours sometimes because the Wi-Fi was good and no one was there. Which is crazy to me. You know I would be there every minute of the day. It's a beautiful spot. And you know what? It, it does get a little hot uh, in the afternoons, like right at the, um, the the peak of day or whatever. But it's was uh, it was the place to be. And I think that because there were so many other places around the ship that people were able to enjoy without there being thousands of other people around them, that people were probably doing that instead. What about the rooftop garden? Um, now, I'm a little confused about the rooftop garden, to be mm-hmm. honest, and I have been since Edge first came out. At first, I thought rooftop garden was really just sort of like a – almost like a public space, you know, with mm-hmm. benches and stuff like that. But I guess there's a restaurant there as well, too. Is that right? There is. Yeah, it's called um, – I think it's called the rooftop rooftop garden. Rooftop garden grill, maybe. And it's like – Easy 40- to remember. Yeah, $45 a person. And it's one of those things like the other specialty restaurants where you order – we actually did that on the last sea day at nighttime because we wanted to break away from the other restaurants. And it was like, uh, you know, a, a backyard barbecue. They had the ribs, the chicken wings. They had uh, lots of cuts of beef there. Just whatever you'd find on a grill, you'd find it right there on the rooftop. But it's also a public area, too, with lots of seating and a big screen TV uh, on the wall. No, no. I know. Why? See, why do, they, why do they insist on putting TVs in spaces like that? Yeah, I know. Like, Which, come on. It kind of pulls from it, too. It ruins the atmosphere. Yeah. But, Richard, they're doing it for a reason because it works. They're not just doing it because they want to do it. Yeah, it just drives me crazy. I hate that, you know, uh, almost every ship I've been on the last couple of years, every single bar, every public space, there is a TV in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that just, that just to me, uh, you know, it doesn't give you any opportunity to escape it because it's always there. But yeah. that's my chance to be the, <laughs> the guy who's saying, you know, I'm old, get off my lawn. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the main dining rooms for a second. Now, a lot of ships, you know, they may have two or three main dining rooms, but they basically have the same menu in each main dining room. Mm-hmm. But I I think that Celebrity, at least on this ship, does things a little bit differently, right? There's like four dining rooms and they all have a different specialty. Yeah, so this one has Cyprus, Cosmopolitan, Tuscan, and Normandy. So let me go back because Tuscan on the Solstice-class ships is a specialty restaurant called Tuscan Grill, um, an Italian steakhouse. Not the case here, just an Italian themed main dining room. Um, Cosmopolitan's contemporary food, Cyprus is Greek, and Normandy is French. All the menus are probably 75% the same from menu to menu, with the exception of, you know, the French dishes that are, you know, um, a limited selection, but are on the menu in Normandy, or the Greek dishes on the menu in Cyprus. So did you eat in any of the main dining rooms? We did Normandy on the very last night. And yeah, it was and solid. I had the, the Did you try any of the specialties or did you stick to the main menu? 
I don't remember what side it was on, but it was French onion soup. So does that count as French? That definitely <laughs> I don't know. counts okay. as French. That definitely counts oh, as French. Oh, and escargot, and too. Escargot as well. Oh, how happy were you? I know you love a good escargot. Very. And it was just like the other cruise lines that have it, you know, just drenched in garlic and plenty of bread on the side. So you kind of just uh, basically escargot is a delivery dish for butter, right? Yeah. It's as unhealthy as you can possibly <laughs> exactly. make it. Did you, speaking of which, did you hit the gym and what did you experience in the gym as far as the protocols? Like, you know, were the machines separated? Were there, you know, you had to admit, did you have to make a reservation? Yeah. So it's funny because everyone keeps, I, I did a, some TV on this ship and a lot of people were asking these very same questions and it's, and I wish I had a different answer for you, but I'm kind of glad I don't because there was just, um, I would say, extra bottles of cleaning solution, like antibacterial solution around. You can wipe the equipment down. There was also an increase of staff in there wiping down the equipment. In fact, I know they were doing it because I went and did a warm up on a treadmill and then went to do the bench press. And within a minute, a crew member was running up to me with my set sale, my sign and sale card saying, sir, you forgot this on your machine. So while they were wiping the machine down, they came across my card and I wasn't even gone a minute from the machine. I can only speak to the times that I was in there, which was normally like around 6.30 or 7 in the morning, but there was never no less than four crew members or staff members in there wiping the equipment and cleaning from floor to ceiling. Okay, now here is the question that I have been dying to ask. Um, did you get to meet and talk to Captain Kate, who I think is probably the coolest cruise ship captain since Captain Steubing, and Captain Steubing wasn't even a real person? Yeah, she said that was one of her regrets, was not being able to meet Captain Steubing before he passed away uh, a couple of months ago. But yeah, I had a chance to do a one-on-one a -on -one with her for about 20 minutes on one of the sea days, and she had uh, her cat bug naked on, uh, on her lap, and it was... Uh, it was a fun interview. The cat, uh, the cat can get pretty vocal. Was there anybody else on board that you had a chance to talk to or interview who maybe gave you a little bit of insight into the industry and its return? Well, Richard Fain was on last week's show. I had a chance to sit down with him for about 20 minutes on one of the sea days. But other than that, um, I just spent a lot of time talking to passengers around the ship and seeing what their thoughts were and you know what it's like for them being back on a cruise because none of us have been on a cruise for a year and a half. Oh, but I'll tell you what was also cool. So the Today Show, Good Morning America, and CBS This Morning were all on the ship doing live hits from the middle of, on Monday from the middle of the ocean. And it was so cool watching it on your phone and then watching it behind the scenes with the lights, the rigging, the cameras. Yeah, like right up my alley. Yeah, as a media observer, you had to have loved that. Oh my gosh, that. I was in heaven, yeah. I'm going to guess that Captain Kate didn't get off in Cozumel. No, but it was funny because she does a 10 o'clock announcement every morning and we were off the coast of Cuba by like 20 miles. And she's like, on our port side is Cuba. However, if you see land on our starboard side, please contact me immediately because, <laughs> because it shouldn't be there. So, but yeah, she was um, very interactive too. You want to talk about someone who just walks around the ship and is very, you know how some captains you only see during the, what is it? The champagne toast. Right. The meet and greet. Yeah. This woman is everywhere. She had um, a bug naked, which is her cat themed trivia in uh, in the lounge. And everyone got to like, you know, meet the cat and everything. And all the trivia questions were based around bug her cat, which also she corrected me because I said, how does he like it on board? She shot me a glance and said, she. 
Sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, at least you didn't. At least you didn't call it butt naked. You know, yeah. I mean, because that's what I thought. The, that's what I thought the cat's name was for the longest time. I thought it was butt naked, and then uh, <laughs> someone corrected me and said, "No, actually, it's bug naked." So, fortunately, I was not anywhere in the presence of Captain Kate when I uh, when I was making that blunder. <laughs> so, you know, you got back to uh, Fort Lauderdale and uh, disembarked, and how was the disembarkation? Disembarkation was super simple because in the daily planner they give you, starting on your first day of the cruise, there's a QR code, and you scan the QR code with your phone, and it's basically a disembarkation survey, and you want to do it early because that basically lets you know what's available for when you get off the ship. So whether it's walk-off from 640 to 7 or a group 1 through, I think, 5, you could pick uh, what group you wanted to be in. And the early bird gets the worm because as the week went on, they started to gray out. But it's the same thing as we were used to before this, where you pick when you want to leave. They send you the luggage tags and put your luggage outside. But me, I did the walk off. So I did the between 640 and 7. I disembarked at 705 and I was at the airport by 730. Here's my question. This is something that um, cruise lines have struggled with for for years is they may tell you, you know, OK, you know, you you're in your disembarkation time is noon. But as soon as the ship arrives, people start lining up. And I I have thought from the beginning of this that that is going to be one of the big problems the cruise lines face is how do you prevent people from doing that? And that's the thing, like you really don't, I guess, because, well, it's going to vary from cruise line to cruise line. Like Freedom of the Seas is sailing with 15% unvax and 85 vax. So I'm sure their disembarkation is going to be a lot different than Celebrity Edge, which we were 99% vax, 1% on. But in terms of like, how do you police it? If someone's trying to jump the line, let's say you sign up for boarding group five because you want to sleep in, but you're like, you know what? I want to get off the ship early. And you try to get off with boarding group one. You get out to the baggage claim area, you're going to be screwed and you're going to be really pissed off because your bag's not going to be out there for an hour and a half. But speaking of the debark uh, with the customs area, so the baggage claim area, when you're going to leave the ship, pretty strict out there. You know, you have to wear your mask once you're off the ship and then they are wanting you to stay six feet apart. So here's a question that it circles all the way back to the very beginning and something we should have talked about at the beginning, but I forgot because I'm a terrible interviewer, but um, we never really talked about the, uh, the the muster drill. You know, all of the cruise lines are adjusting their muster drill. How did they handle that on the ship? It was very simple and it was amazing. In fact, I actually completed half my muster drill on my flight down to the port because it's all app-based. So I was on the, uh, the flight. I had my earbuds in and I watched the safety video. So once you watch the safety video, there's a check mark next to step one. Listen to what a general alarm sounds like. And it's kind of like in Morse code and really loud too. Um, once you listen to that, the check mark happens. The third check mark is basically once you get on board, go to your muster station and they'll scan your C pass and it'll automatically check step number three. Once you find your muster station on board and you get checked in and they ask you if you have any questions, if you need help putting on the life jacket, all that, um, you're free to go. There was no one. Of course, again, relative sail, sailing with 35, 38% capacity going to be a little different once it gets ramped up, but it was super, the process is still the same. You just find the man or woman, they scan your card. If you have no questions, enjoy your cruise. Would you agree that a lot of the technology and things that you've seen put in place on this cruise in particular, and that we've written about, um, 
some of the other lines doing are things that, while they may have been created specifically because of COVID, there are things that we are going to see sticking around long term because they are good changes. Well, like this, you must hear this had to get approved by the Coast Guard. I mean, Royal Caribbean Group, they couldn't just say we're doing e-muster. You know, the Coast Guards, the Coast Guard does everything from how many life jackets you have to the color of your lifeboat. That's like when Disney has their yellow lifeboats. They had to get special permission to paint those lifeboats yellow. So the Coast Guard had to sign off on this, you know, and I'm sure like the International Maritime Organization, the IMO and all these people had to uh, bless it as well. But you also have to remember Royal Caribbean 10 years ago, they're the ones who started the don't bring your life jacket to the muster drill. And they slowly were going towards app base. They had it on a couple of ships before COVID even uh, before COVID even started. So they've always been kind of the trailblazer with technology anyway. So it was going to be here eventually, but this definitely sped it up. So here's another question. You know, you just did a cruise with 99% vaccinated people. Um, would you feel comfortable doing a ship that was, you know, like Freedom was – 85% with 15% unvaccinated. Would you be comfortable with that? If you're asking for me personally, I mean, just on myself, Doug Parker, yes, 100% I would do that. But this is a question that you really can't win at answering. No, because you know why you can't win on this conversation? Because um, there is no right answer. Right. Every part, It's like so many of the things you and I talk about. Um, everybody has to make their own mind up. Mm -hmm. And it's not for me to say that you're wrong and it's not for you to say that I'm wrong. Right. It's just that's where we ind as individuals are. Yeah, there's no wrong answer here. It's whatever your personal preference is and your comfort level. So so let's wrap this up with some final thoughts. You know, it was the first revenue generating ship um, sailing out of North America. It was, it, you know, from from everything that you have told me, it did not sound like there was much of a difference at all from pre-pandemic. So a couple of thoughts. I was I um I should have jotted these down, but I didn't. I'm just going to kind of spitball here. So I am very happy to see that the they are serving us on Celebrity. Other cruise lines are doing different things because it was actually on Celebrity ships two times in a row, two different ships. I've seen guests taking pizza right out of the pan, not using the tongs and walking away with it. Kind of like I see people on Carnival putting their hands in the cookie bowl. I think you and I were on a sailing when someone was doing that. Yeah. Just walked away. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So um, I'm curious when I sell Carnival if what the cookie bowl situation is going to be like because they don't have um, – they're going to do self-serve buffet. They're doing self-serve. Um, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, but, I am absolutely shocked so by that. This is that. the thing too though, okay? And I'm not trying to – I'm just going to try to say this objectively. Carnival is doing their first sailing with 70% of guests on a close to 5,000-passenger ship, okay, with all the berths full. So Celebrity was doing – 1,200 guests or at 35% occupancy. I will say, if we were on a full ship on Celebrity Edge, you would wait a very long time to be served because you would kind of be like you were – it was like you are in a cafeteria in elementary school. Mm -hmm. That's what it was like. But with so few people on board, it wasn't that bad. Like the most I waited was like two people in front of me. But you know, you times that by 3,000 or – you add 3,000 people to that, it could be a little longer. So I am curious to see how it's going to work out. Do I like them serving you better? Absolutely. Coming from someone who has had norovirus on a cruise ship and seen the people, as we just mentioned, the, um, the buffet food grabbers, I would much rather see 
us being served. But I think that when you're dealing with a lot of people, the only thing you can really do is make sure they're washing their hands and that you have plenty of sanitizing stations. Yeah, I think, you know, frankly, the conversation I'm really looking forward to as much as I've enjoyed this one is the one that we will have a week from now when you have come back from a ship that is sailing with much bigger capacity with different protocols so that we can almost do a compare and contrast. Yeah, no, for sure, because it's going to be interesting to see exactly what even though a lot of their protocols are running kind of in line with each other, some of them are a little different as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about that. But otherwise, um, cruising is is I want to say cruising is the same as it was 16 months ago, but I guess the little asterisks there would be like, it depends on who you're cruising. Because like we were talking about, we were in that bubble experience on edge with everyone being vaccinated. So there was really nothing to worry about, quote unquote. But when you're on a, on a ship that has a little more skewed with the un and the, and the mixing the folks together, that's when you have to make a decision. I mean, COVID isn't going away. There's going to be cases on ships, as we've seen over the past few weeks. It's how the lines deal with them and it's how quickly they can, you know, get it under control. I mean, nothing's 100 percent. It's uh, the case is going to pop up. Everyone who popped up has been vaccinated so far for the U.S. sailing. So it's just a matter of how the cruise lines react and how they deal with it and how swiftly. And we see and it, and it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It shows that the protocols work. Look, the experience for me that I had on Celebrity Edge over the past seven days was just like I had 16 months ago in the Caribbean, with the exception as I wasn't being served back then. Um, at the buffet, I was getting it myself. Other than that, experience was basically 100% the same, if not better, because you have the, the app-based things like the mustard drill that make life a hell of a lot easier. Well, I think that's a great place for us to leave this conversation off. I really enjoyed this. And like I said, I'm looking forward to next week when we have a similar conversation about your experience on Carnival Horizon. Well, thank you again. And I look forward to our next chat because you make this very easy for me. Well, I try my best. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.